Hi there. So welcome to our very first Dose of Unity podcast. So um, yeah, bear, bear with us. And first of all, I just have to laugh. Look at this. I this was not up. planned. It was not planned. Yeah. We're in the same color. I walked down the stairs and Diane came to my front door and we're like, yeah. Oh. I mean, <laughs> Can we change. Not, um, had a great mind to like. Yes, exactly. whatever. Great minds. Two peas in a pod. So, um, yes. all right. Well, so just bear with us, though. Um, you know, and be gentle with us. We're just this is our first time. It is. It'll it'll get better. You know, as we go. But uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and get rolling and uh, tell us tell us what we're talking about, Catherine? Yes. So our first topic. Um, and I mean, we know a lot of you are coming from the United Madison space. So a lot of you are probably familiar with this topic um, that we talked about. Um, we're going to talk about sex trafficking. It's, it's a huge problem. It's a, a scary problem and it's pervasive. Um, so we are, forgive us for our little newscast kind of vibes <laughs> for this first one. Um, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of uh, details that we want you to know. We, we want to make sure that we're not missing anything. Um, but yeah, it, it, sex trafficking. So um, why, why are we doing this? Why are we focusing on this? For dose of unity um well it's the most vulnerable population that's that's affected by sex trafficking and as far as unity goes we kind of we need to come together on this issue because it, it is those of us who are most vulnerable like i said we, we need we need help <laughs> you know we need we need you guys we need the community to come together we need um so many more people involved and aware of, of this, of this issue. Yeah. I mean, and I think too, when we're trying to decide on uh, the work that we do, the, the focus, when we decide on different uh, issues to bring attention to, uh, you know, there are people that are dealing with homelessness. There's um, racial divide, there's uh, addiction challenges. I mean, there's all, all of that. And then when you think about, as we learned more and more about somebody who is a victim of trafficking, they have all the above and then in addition to that, on a daily basis, they're forced against their will um, to do things they don't want to do. Um, and, you know, let's face it, um, uh, you know, when you're talking about somebody uh, to somebody about rape, for example, it's a significant, very um, difficult issue that they go through. And imagine that being your life every single day, not just a one-off occurrence or, you know, but it's a, it's every single day. So we really felt that this is a a very important topic. And um, there's been a lot of people who've reached out um, wanting to learn more. And uh, and it's not something that they can easily just learn, you know. Um, right. And I think that the other part of it is that the going deeper and the why behind stuff. It's, right. it's uh, not just, okay, it's happening. A lot of people want to know what to do and all of those kind of yeah. things. Um, and it's different Yes, than people realize. That's exactly like that's, that's the biggest thing I think is like, when you think of sex trafficking, you think of like the big scary elephant in the room, the kidnap, the air tags on your tires. And you think of like people snatching people off the streets. It's really largely, it's not that from what we've learned, largely it's, it's grooming. Largely mm -hmm. we've, we've learned it's, it's just, it's a process and it's, it's, it's people that you're, you've become familiar with um, that are sex trafficking you. And, and what's interesting is a lot of these uh, survivors and, and people who've been victimized by sex trafficking don't realize while they're in it that they're, they're, they're part of that. They feel like 
you know, oh, it's just that they, they explain it away. Like the kind of the domestic abuse issue mm-hmm. um, where it's, it's kind of like you, you don't, while you're in it, you don't realize that that's what's happening. Well, and that's exactly true. And the, the people who are doing the trafficking, they're trying to normalize. Yes. You know, and in, in some cultures too, it, it, they're trying to explain it away, even, even pop culture. And, um, you know, the R. Kelly story, oh, if you gosh. haven't followed that, um, R. Kelly really just normalized that that's how things are. Um, but, you know, you mentioned grooming. Yeah. And so um, what does that really look like? Uh, the best way I've heard to describe it is you're swept off your feet. Yep. You know, so it's like, um, you know, the Cinderella story. You yes. think that, oh. Too good to be true. Yeah, exactly. And you think, oh, somebody is going to love me. And, um, oh, when is it my turn? You know, right. and it's often the people who have some insecurities um, that, yep. that, I hate to say it, it, it's sad, but the traffickers will seek the people like that out, yep. who who they see that they have some lack, maybe it's, um, they're insecure, maybe they, they don't think that they're as pretty as the other girls. And we're primarily talking about females here, I just want to mention too. Yes, absolutely. Um, because that is, um, at least in our area, and, and more prevalent when we're talking about this, this issue, but of course the LGBTQ community, yes. boys. Um, even older women, you know, but typically we're going to be talking about um, younger females just to make it easier um, to explain. Yep. But um, but I think that's that's the thing that people don't realize is the sweeping sweeping them off their feet mm-hmm. and then doing all these wonderful things for them, showering them with gifts, um, doing all these things for them, and then that person falls deeply in love, and then they, you know, trust them, and then they turn on them and say, hey, you owe me. You know, now you owe me. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the crux of the entire thing is, is <laughs> you owe me. I, I, I'll give you all this stuff. And, and like you said, these people are vulnerable. These people are, they, whether or not they have insecurities, um, they have physical things that they, they can't satisfy themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the homeless issue, like mm-hmm. that's so huge. Like they, they don't feel like they have any other choice yeah. and I think that that's a huge thing too when we're talking about like survivors and getting people in back like reintegrated into society is that they, they and help is they don't they don't feel like they have any other option so you're presenting them with you have these options we want to help you um there was a we had a um an anti-trafficking event um last year mm-hmm. and we heard from a survivor and she's a nurse now um and that was always her dream but when she was in it and it was, that was just a distant, very distant, like that would have never been a thing for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a lot of things that we're fighting too, when it comes to um, survivors, is they have this mindset that that's all they're worth and they're, they're well, worth so much they're, more. They're told that, you know, yes. I think, and we'll get into um, like the real nitty gritty yes. in a little bit of, in terms of like the getting out and what they need mm-hmm. on that. Because like you said, it, it, it's uh it's not so easy, just like domestic, you know, yes. violence mm-hmm. situations. Um, it's it's not, it's not as easy as you think. And yeah. a lot of the times, the person who is um, a trafficker or an abuser, they know just how to put you in a position that you mm-hmm. need them, yep. and you can't survive without them. So, um, I think that's super important. Um, yeah. You know, and so, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about. The snatching situation. Yes. yes. Um, and uh, so. Silence my <laughs> notifications here. That? <laughs> that would be my mother. <laughs> when I, one of my kids start FaceTiming me, it's going to be loud. Just to, 
we can show up to the camera and be like, hey. yeah. <laughs> right in the middle. Um, but uh, but yeah, you mentioned about you know the the um, the snatching kind of thing. Okay. So so do you you know when we were going through all the interviews and all the research that we've done, um, uh, how how prevalent do you think those types of things are? And do you think even though the grooming and the grooming <laughs> off your feet is the more the norm? Mm-hmm. Um, what is your feeling on the snatching stuff? It's it's rare, right? But is yeah. is it increasing or what happens or what are your thoughts on that one? So I know from what we heard from the detective that we talked to, it is increasing, um, unfortunately. Uh, but not not to sensationalize the issue and and make everyone sketchy of everyone. Um, like for example, with with my sons, we're not necessarily teaching them stranger danger. We're teaching them strange behavior. Um, because we want them to be able to rely on people that are not strange if they do need help in a, in a public situation. So I think that that's kind of something that we need to keep in mm-hmm. mind is not stranger danger. We don't need to be afraid of other people. We need to be afraid of strange behavior. And and that's, it, it's not, snatching is not as typical. It, it's really, it is rare. Um, it doesn't happen. But we can't become complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, again, we're talking about females. So like we've heard this and I, Many of you, you know, who might be my age have heard this on TikTok, on Instagram, um, stories of people at, at Target, at Walmart, um, walking back to their car. And like, I certainly have had these, these types of things, even when I have my children with me and I'm alone without my husband, um, it, I've, I've had people follow me around a store and I'm very cognizant of it. And, you know, I don't know how PC this is to say, but I, I'm a concealed carry holder, you know, <laughs> I've got my mystery <laughs> mouse tool with me. Um, uh, so I'm always prepared, but um, I, I, I'm never complacent. I'm very aware that, that it, it's a possibility and it does happen. And, um, they, they do target people who aren't, like we said before, people who aren't necessarily paying attention or whatever. So, so, um, for example, when you go to your, your vehicle, um, you know, and, and plenty of, uh, law enforcement have they've said this, um, if you see, you know, kind of a single vehicle next to you and there's somebody in that side that could potentially grab you and you know just be aware of your situation get in your car lock your door and go don't sit in the mount or sit in the um uh parking lot and like you know check your phone and get all the sounds just the yeah sense things things for yeah any no. Even if somebody wasn't going to traffic you, but, you know, potentially harm you or, you know. Absolutely. And I think that that's, it's, it's really more of, as far as the snatching goes, it's really more of just being aware of your surroundings. Uh, if you feel uncomfortable, if someone's following you in your car, drive to a police station. If someone's, you know, making you feel uncomfortable, go to a security guard. It's better to be paranoid than dead, you know, or trafficked or anything like that. Um, so be that be that person, I guess, is what I would say about that. Yes, is yeah, what I'd say about this. If you're feeling weird and you feel like you don't want to be a Karen, you don't want to make a scene, be that person because it's better to be that person than to be the person who's victimized by trafficking. Well, and I think the other thing too is, um, you know, as far as the more typical, obviously people are uh, meeting people through yes. the internet oh my gosh. through social media. And so, you know, it's- uh, I've heard it now. Yeah, exactly. It's the norm. You know, it's it's like you're you're um an Instagram or whatever. And of yeah. course I'm older, so you know, she's no, but young you're enough to be on. my daughter. <laughs> but it's um, you know, hey, 
hey, what's up? You know, and, and it's like the thing that I think is super important to realize is that that, that grooming and that like the flirtation, you know, they, they what do they call it? They they slide up and swipe, <laughs> swipe right and left. <laughs> DMing, but you know, I love Diane. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like when people are trying to engage, it's yes. kind of obviously, you know, people my age, it's like, it used to be like face-to-face flirting, which still yeah. happens face-to-face. Like somebody who, who just keeps on, you know, keeps on like, yeah, with the social media, Hey, you know, and they, um, what's up, you know, and then they try to just continue to engage, engage, engage. And if you don't know them, First of all, don't don't allow them to follow you. Keep your social media private, all those types of things. And just be aware of the fact that that is indeed how it starts is that is that, uh, you know, constant, you know, trying to reach out. And and once you engage, it's harder. And I think along that same line, I think we've gotten to a point where we share too much online. Oh, yeah. I I think we've become because like when I, you know, back in the MySpace days, um, my parents were like, you know, don't even have a profile picture that's your face. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't we don't share a single thing about yourself. And now we're like, the amount of like mm-hmm. personal stuff oh, that I see online from people just sharing like publicly that they're mm-hmm. they're just like like willing to share. And that's it. Mostly, it's interesting because it's from younger people, mm-hmm. younger people than me, who are way too comfortable just being like, this is my community, and they don't realize that there are eyes on their content that they don't necessarily intend to be on their content yes we all love engagement you and I both deal in this market like we 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 love numbers like we love to see things boosted and like all this stuff we love that um but the type of things that are that are being shared and um younger and younger ages um is scary it's concerning to me um that these younger people are so just flagrant they'll just put out like this absolutely incredibly personal story yeah, and like yeah. the story times and stuff. And that's, it's fine to get a community, especially like if you have like an issue with the business or whatever, but like when you're putting out these like hyper personal things, like family things, I see all this stuff and I'm like, you know, we see the doxing cause like you're not as private as you think you are. You know, even if you, even if you have like everything as private as you can have it, like you, I have a white pages mm-hmm. just because like we have, a million, a million different people who call us and stuff. And like, I'm a professional stalker when it comes to like my job. <laughs> like, I like to see who's like calling me and stuff with all these robocalls and whatever. But um, we have a white pages and I will very often, if we have a random number call us, I'll just type it into white pages and it will pull up everything about that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, Whether or it's, not they think that it's there, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and the other thing you were saying about sharing all this vulnerable stuff, mm-hmm. you know, from a trafficking perspective, when they're grooming, and they're trying to engage with you and they're trying yep. to pull you in, they use those vulnerabilities against you. Yep. So they you're already know <laughs> Yeah, you're feeding it to them. So they already know that, um, you know, if, if they're trying to pull you away from a parent or parents yeah. or you have problems with mom. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, they're pulling you further and further. I heard a story from um, somebody I actually know who had somebody who was in a college situation mm-hmm. and it happened in college where yep. the person um, what they were trying to get them, to turn them away from their friends and family and uh, take a trip and go whatever. And the person did get out. Um, but, you know, in that other victim that we had talked to, yes. you know, that it just, it's just really um, scary. And, um, but again, it, it just goes back to understanding that it's not, it might not be that 
that they seem to read your mind or you guys have so much alike and oh my gosh, you know, this is your soulmate. It, it yeah. might be because they're seeing exactly what to use against you because mm -hmm. you have that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's, that's kind of the most uh, dangerous thing. And then, and, and beyond, beyond that, um, you know, when somebody is in that situation, it, it makes it harder for them to get out of that situation yeah. because you've given, you've fed them so much about yourself now that they, they, they know your family, they know mm -hmm. your situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there's a capability to threaten your family. They know who your family is. They know exactly. where they live. Um, and, and that's kind of, um, that's a huge, when we hear about like targeting things in, in the news and like domestic violence and all that other stuff. Um, and drive, yes. Yeah. And all this stuff is, it's all, yes. You'd be surprised at how interconnected it is with trafficking. Mm -hmm. um, it is more often than we realize it, it, it's something connected with the power, with the control mm -hmm. of a singular person. Yeah. And if you don't do this, you know, and that's the thing that's that's scary too. Is like when somebody does get to a point that they're trusting that person and they love them, you know, and they yep. they'll they'll first start out saying, oh, you know, if you love me, hey, you know, we, you know, whatever. And if they they don't, and then they come down heavy, heavy and then they finally say, yeah, we know where your sister lives, we know where your you know um, your little baby brother goes to school or whatever. And uh, and to your point, you know, some of the conversations. Mm -hmm that we've had with, with police and different folks that work yeah. very, very closely with the victims, there's a very good reason they don't get out because they're afraid of what's going to happen to their loved one or worse themselves, but even more so their loved one. And they're not empty threats. I mean, yeah. obviously we see this in the community. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like, okay, well, we can call their bluff because they actually just want me. It's, mm -hmm. it's, they, they want you at all costs and you're a commodity, but you know, you're not necessarily indispensable. Like you, they're, you, they're going to act on that. They're, mm -hmm. they're going to act on their threats. And that's something that like, which is why at the behest of everyone in these industries who are like, please don't share your personal details online. Please don't share your personal details online. Please don't talk about your family. Don't, you know, talk about your problems. Don't, you know, I mean, and granted, yes, we, we love having a community. It's hard now um, especially since COVID, we don't, we, we have to kind of delve into these virtual spaces of like connecting with each other, which is fine. It's great. Um, but as far as like publicly, um, if you're really not sure that you're completely locked down and you're not, you're not as locked down as you think you are, mm -hmm. um, just be mindful of what you're sharing because mm -hmm. there's, a, you know, a, a million different people who, even if they don't have trafficking intent, you know, there's people who not everyone's gonna like you, you know. There's people who are gonna use stuff against you that you wouldn't even realize. You know, I've had people like DM me stuff before from years ago on oh, like yeah. my Twitter from 2011 <laughs> when I was like, I don't know, like however old I freshman year in high school when I was a wild child. Like, well, didn't you say this? I was like, yeah, in 2011. Like, yeah, we've, we've evolved well, since that's, then. Yeah, that's the, kind of the world we live in at the moment. And, yeah. Uh, I hope that that shifts back and, you know, yeah. this is part of our goal, you know, yes, what absolutely. we're doing. Um, but, you know, going back, the other thing that I think is interesting too, um, and I did not know this at all and didn't think about it, is when you when you ask somebody, you know, or, or well, why don't they get out of it? So there's, there's a couple situations. So in some cases, they really can't because they're physically not able to. Mm -hmm. they're, they're restrained. And then there are 
they're gets to a point that they have them under their thumb, under their control yep. because of the things we talked about, the threats, et cetera. They identify with their captor. And, and that as well. Absolutely. And then the other part that um, I wanted to touch on is, it, this is what needs to change, is when somebody has been a victim of trafficking, mm -hmm. they often have the other challenges that fall yep. with them. And they have a criminal history often mm -hmm. um, because of something that is somehow related to the traffic, and I'll share a story in a second on that. Um, the other part is oftentimes they either become addicted to drugs during the issue of, um, during the time that they are forced to do things against yeah. their will in order for them to be compliant. Yes. But then, so then they, they have an addiction challenge, or if they do um, get out of their situation, again, there's a lot of trauma there and yeah. then you have a lot of um, addiction issues too. So my point is when you have addiction challenges and criminal history, mm -hmm. it makes it kind of hard to get housing yeah. and kind of hard to get a job, right? So that is something that I think anybody listening, and we're going to get into this a little bit more yeah. later on as far as how to help, but those are two things that, that if people realized that's the situation. So, so we are hoping that more and more companies come forward to say, hey, we want to employ people and give them another option. So that's, that goes back to everywhere somebody turns, if they try to get out, mm -hmm. they keep hitting a brick wall. And so if we remove those barriers in the first place and um, have an opportunity to give them a, a chance to um, work at a company who understands that, that, hey, you know, we have to do things a little bit differently for this person, You'd be surprised how many businesses, if they know that, they come forward and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm there. And they have to have some training. Yes. And we also, um, some of the organizations we've worked with have yes. talked about job readiness training mm -hmm. um, as they are ready because they're not ready just to jump into a nine-to-five right away or, you know, that they might have to ease into it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the same thing with housing is to um, understand that if you're like a private um, landlord, for example, and, um, and you're, you know, considered friendly to people who've gone through some of those challenges and um, and you'll be willing to to rent them rent out to them. So there are organizations out there that help with that transition. And so I think that's important for people to know. No, absolutely. And I think that um, to, to look at the person holistically is important mm -hmm. um, and not just make assumptions and be like, okay, well, this is, you know, you, I see a criminal history because it's very easy to get on CCAP and be like, mm -hmm. you know, okay, here's a laundry list of things this is a bad person when that's not necessarily the case, you know, because like even what we learned from all of the awareness campaigns that we did with United Madison is like all of these people look differently, you know, the mental health looks different than addiction oh, yeah. and like all these, it's, you don't realize when you're walking by somebody on the street that they've dealt with that before. And like we said, for the survivor that we have spoken to, she's a nurse now. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like, it's not like they're these people who have gone through these in, immense trauma. They're not, capable they, they absolutely are they just haven't been given well, the yeah, opportunity exactly well and i was meeting with um marlene from zateo yesterday yes. and they're working on housing in madison they have a big event coming up in february and we'll put their yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll put their url right here right here so yeah <laughs> and uh but they are um really trying to embrace the, the whole person like you said and understand where they're at yeah. and understand that um the, the journey is different for everybody and um you know but for what what really resonated with me mm -hmm. um when talking to marlene is she said that 
uh, so they're in the middle of building these homes. Mm -hmm. And so she said that she took um, one of the young ladies around to the, the new property and sure. walked her around and explained all the different things. It's holistic support for them. Yep. Um, and she's like, had tears in her eyes and she said, nobody's ever cared about people like me yeah. before. You know, and it's like, and that's just, she's somebody's daughter. She's God's child. I mean, she's, she's no different than any other human being. She's just as valuable. And again, it goes back to why we are focusing on this. If you're thinking about, you know, the person um, who's most vulnerable, that is it. And the other thing, you know, kind of random, but we were talking too about why is it in America yeah. we tend to judge people who are in these situations? But um, I have a friend who went to the Philippines, Gail. Hi, Gail. <laughs> Hi, Gail. <laughs> so she was sharing with me, um, if, um, hopefully I got this right, but she's saying that when she was in the Philippines the, and talking about the um, the poverty and everything, and she said she was in a hotel last night. She was ready to go home, and she's watching out the window, and she saw this woman with two little children, and she said um, their car came up, and the woman jumped into the car and had to take care of business to support her children. I mean, and when you hear that story, you think, oh, my gosh, you know, that's terrible, and that poor woman, that was the only thing she could do, she was willing to do anything to put, you know, food in their children's mouth. Whereas in America, we tend to judge people right. and not realize that, hey, that person isn't choosing this lifestyle, right. you know, and how often they're, they're forced and told that they need to make a certain amount of money every night yeah. and give it to their, um, their trafficker or, you know, pimp. I know that yeah. the words are, are interchanged, but they don't have a choice. And if they're not given so much money by the end of the night, um, I mean, so I think it's important for us to to think of a, a human being in the situation she's in, and the Maslow is higher for your needs. I mean, yes. you first need food yep. and a roof over your head, and um, your and needs if somebody's your wants exactly, yeah, what you're willing to do, especially if you're a mother, you know, we've heard right. stories like that too. But I think that that's a and, and it, in this country, it ends up being controversial, right? Because like you know, we have the you know sex work, and that you know each to their own but I think our our biggest thing with this like awareness is choice mm -hmm. I, I I if if that's if you, in good faith you're you're choosing this work then you know that's what you're choosing you have that choice you have the control to be able to like make these decisions for yourself to go out and buy your clothes and buy your food and and go to your job and know that that's what you want to do yeah. from what, from the statistics that we've researched from uh, what we've heard from these different outreach um, programs and these different people or these different uh, organizations that work with these people who, who um, are in this life, the majority of people, even when it comes to, you know, sex work, as far as like porn goes, like we know how pervasive, you know, porn has gotten into our culture and that's each to their own again. But we've learned that the majority of those people are not choosing to do this. So yeah. I think we've, we've kind of intentionally put in, in the, um, for inclusivity sake, we've kind of put the wool over our own eyes mm -hmm. and, and said, Oh, she's choosing that. He's choosing that. They're choosing that when that's not statistically the case. They, mm -hmm. uh, the majority of people that you're seeing in these lines of work, 
are are being controlled. They're they're not choosing this. Or at least they started that way. They right? started that way. You know, like, or they don't think that they have a way out. So this is like yeah. what they feel they have to choose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, like Rebecca Bender. You know, yes. um, she would share that um, she got into it totally against her will by this boyfriend who she didn't have a choice. Um, but then when she started to make the money and all this kind of stuff, or I shouldn't say make the money, she never made the money, but she was given the gifts sure. yeah. to continue to stay compliant. Mm -hmm. And, um, but deep down, you know, she did not mm -hmm. want that, did not choose that. And like you said, did not see a way out. And right. so I think it's, uh, it's important to consider all those things and, um, realize that, uh, Sometimes it's survival. It's, it's survival. And, you know, and, and it goes back to removing those barriers right. um, to make sure. But the thing that I thought was interesting, too, is um, if you look at the percentages of people who've been in, in the industry, whatever, in whatever way, it's like 97, 99 percent of them. Yeah. There's something that is that in a situation where they, even as a child, were um, brought into um, an environment where they weren't given choice and they were they were even as a young child just be agreeable be a nice little agreeable girl and um you know don't tell anybody or whatever it is that was an eye-opener for me and including yes. the other part that was really an eye-opener is um in talking to people in the fbi or in the prison you know they have shared that the majority of females in prison have had some type of sexual abuse or abuse in their life, and in some people would say the statistics are, are you know, again, 97, 99 percent. There isn't, yeah. there isn't statistics though, because it's difficult to screen. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked to some of the organizations on this, and they'll say, it, it's like if I said, you know, how's your sex life? You know, or yeah. like, what do you do? You know, it's it's yeah. it's a personal thing. Nobody wants to come out and say it. So or a traumatizing thing. Can it's be a triggering. Very, like yeah. you know, like yeah. you've gone through that. Yeah, and so all talked you about want it. is did you want the organization say that they want to help that person right. wherever they are, and if and if in conversation, or if they eventually feel comfortable with them and trust them. Mm -hmm. Trust is huge. Yeah. To share what's really happening, and so some of the assessment. Um, things that we've talked about with um, like forensic uh, specialists and, and ER nurses and doctors is um, even something where, um, in, or anybody, you know, let's say you do come across somebody who you really suspect that there's something going on. And I, right. that's actually happened to me twice now as I've traveled. And yes, now I, I know. Yeah. Me. Yeah. And now I know what to do at the yeah. time though. I, I remember in one situation I was trying to talk to the young lady mm -hmm. and I, Oh, you know, and I'm the one that I feel someone's spirit. Yeah. I felt her spirit. And, uh, but now, you know, what you could do is just be prepared with information. And sometimes you can even say something like, Hey, um, I don't, I don't know what your situation is. I know some people, uh, maybe, you know, you know, friends of yours or whatever, that these things might happen where, you're asked to do something or forced to do something against your will, you know, here's information or whatever. I mean, just sharing information. Yeah. Um, and so then on their own time, when they get a safe opportunity, you know, they might be able to reach out or like we were saying, sometimes they really don't even know that that's necessarily what's happening. Is that, you know, they, that they actually being, that's what being trafficked is. I think a lot of people think it's again, the snatching, snatching. Or, <laughs> yeah. you're being taken across the border. Yep. The, and, and, like we said, largely that's that's not what's happening. So being prepared, I, I think, is is a big thing. And and how to help? I mean, not to shameless plug for United Medicine, but we we did do a lot of work compiling 
resources, at least local to the Madison area. Um, but there's there's a ton there, and it's a great starting point for just about anybody, um, <laughs> especially when it comes to like there's a, there's a human trafficking hotline. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The issue is so pervasive, and it's, this is a this is a national focus. Like we we really want people to understand that this we we can't just turn a blind eye to this. Um, you can you know call, and I'll I'll we'll put the details right here again. Um, you can call a number. Um, you can you can text a number. Um, there's online resources that have the quick close. So if mm-hmm. you watching right now are someone who might suspect that you're in this situation, you can look at these resources. There is a quick close where you hit that X and it goes away and it goes right back to where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to worry about anybody looking over your shoulder. Um, I mean, there, there's so many resources. Um, the trafficking hotline number is, uh, I'll put it up right here. It's 888-373-7888. Um, and that uh, you can text help to two three three seven three three, and the, I mean, there's there's so many ways. There's I, I, different identifiers. If you are somebody who is in need of help, or you're somebody who wants to make sure that you're prepared to help, um, I, I saw this on TikTok even last night, um, and and we shared this in our trafficking campaign. That there's a universal symbol for help, mm-hmm. and it and you can even spell it out with emojis. Um, you know, it's, it's, you put your hand up, thumb in, it's this, it's, it's this. four fingers up, thumb in and four fingers down. So it looks like somebody's waving with their thumb in. And I'm yeah. saying this for the people listening. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and there was, there has been situations where somebody has been saved. Yep. Um, Several. so yeah. Yep. And you know, they, if somebody can recognize that what you're supposed to do is realize that that person is in crisis right now yep. and needs help. You're not to intervene. I know on TikTok they'll say, "Oh, you know the person." You're supposed it's hard, to, and it's hard not it's to. It's hard because like you want to keep keep an eye on them and make and sure, make sure that then call that the could police. be dangerous for them. Yes, you call and nine one one because you, you know you call nine one one. You watch from a distance. You kind of keep track of you know paying attention to what you're seeing, uh, what the person looks like, all of those things. Call nine one one, and um, and then you know once once the police come, you can you know then go away and you know and that's I think that the challenge is we don't always know if it's what we're seeing is acute situation where your life is in danger um and so that that trafficking um hotline number um and this is something too again people oh they don't want to overreact it's better to let the the national human trafficking hotline that you're given um those folks know what's going on because what you don't know is how many other people might have reported a similar type of circumstance where when they do their research or their investigation, they might realize that, okay, this guy has come up over and over and over and over. And, um, and it's not just kind of a random thing. And so um, that's, let them figure that out. Cause I know like when that happened in my situation, I didn't, I didn't know the hotline number off the top of my head. Now, what I would do is I'd call the hotline number and I'd explain what I'm seeing what my concern is, explain all the details, mm-hmm. and then I'd let them take care of it. And then at least I know I did something, right. you know, and, and, you know, again, that um, the four fingers up, thumb in, four fingers down. If you ever see that, call 911 and just keep a watch until the police can come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so there's, there's lots of different things. And, and the other part I wanted to mention is, is um, it is, it is difficult, like we said, when maybe it's somebody you care about that you see them getting into a situation. One thing we didn't talk about yet is, is 
specific examples of the trafficker. So, so we talked about a little bit behaviors and things, but when you're seeing situations with the trafficker, um, what does that look like? And so somebody who wants to be flashy and act like, oh yeah, they've got all the money, they've got all the whatever. And but yet when you ask them a direct how question about how they get their money or like, what do you do? And they're vague about it. That's a red flag. You know, and then even yeah. if they're not a trafficker, it's a red flag. Well, it is. Who brags about yes. what they have in the first money, place. and they don't—they can't tell you yeah. where they get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it can't answer. You know, um, answer those questions if they seem to have business at all hours, sure. um, and they always have some excuse. Mm-hmm. They're, they always have excuses, yeah. um, but they're evasive. You know, with how they ask. And Alternate they forms of communication. Mm-hmm. You know, several different types of phones or different people coming and yeah. going. And so what you suspect with like a drug, drug dealers, for example, that also tends to go hand in hand, you know? So if you also see a situation where there's a a party, even, you know, with a bunch of young people and it just seems kind of suspicious, older people, young people, whatever, there's red flags that that you need to pay attention to. um, And that, that whole too good to be true, you know, that really comes into play. But if you're somebody who you care about somebody else and you're trying to help them get out of the situation, giving them some of the resources, just even to say, hey, if you or, or any of your friends, you know, so you kind of put it on there so they receive it because they're thinking, okay, it's not me, but some of my friends might be going through this, mm-hmm. whatever it takes to get that information mm-hmm. to them. And then I'm just going to say one other thing in terms of um, somebody who is in a situation they can't get out of. Um, what I've learned one of the best ways that maybe you can find yourself getting out of that situation. If it was me, mm-hmm. I would all of a sudden, if I'm like in the middle of having to do whatever with whoever collapse, just collapse on the sidewalk around a bunch of people. You just collapse. You're taken to the ER. Mm-hmm. And then that is your way that you can get some help. Um, and I've talked to lots of different people on this, but this is a way that if you just collapse, even if, if you're with your trafficker and you're, um, out in public and you just collapse at trafficker is going to feel the pressure of having to take you to the hospital or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and typically it takes that significant situation yep. for them to actually take you to the ER. And that's where you could possibly get help. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, even if you did the signal, you know, even quiet, if the trafficker's right there, you can try to do it. And the, um, the emergency s- staff and personnel yep. are trained to, and if you're, if you're one of those folks, I mean, that is a training um, that you've had where you know to separate them, make an excuse. Okay, well, now we have to go and get um, you know, a sample lab piece to come down yeah. here or whatever, somehow to separate them. Right. Um, and I've actually talked in detail to some of the folks about this and how they, they've helped that person. And working in the medical industry, um, just to, to talk to people who, who also work in the medical industry, um, we, especially when it comes to primary care, we need to do a better job of uh, being able to identify more of the mundane um, because, you know, emergency care, that's one thing, you know, they are trained to, to, to see, and I've worked in, emer- in emergency care as well, um, to, to see a, a litany of different things. And we saw all sorts of stuff. Like we did recognize the domestic abuse. We, we recognized those things and we would separate people. Largely, we would take people back on their own in general. And then, you know, we have different assessment questions where mm-hmm. we ask, do you feel safe at mm-hmm. home? But that's, that's completely alone. And mm-hmm. we did. So to characterize this, a lot of, a lot of people who were victims or survivors um, didn't answer truthfully. 
but that's something you're trained to see. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see that they're not answering truthfully. Um, They're intentionally evasive. They're vague. Um, There's a million, I can go into a million things, but when it comes to um, medical care in general, I think my challenge to anybody walking or watching who, who works in um, primary care or even secondary care um, is you have somebody who comes in regularly um, is to, is to, go to these different free trainings and, and start mm-hmm. recognizing kind of the science. I, I know even in primary care that we do ask those kinds of questions, but it's really more of just kind of like a, a checkbox. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't necessarily take it as seriously as we should, um, especially if we're seeing somebody more regularly. Um, mm-hmm. OB care is a big one. So mm-hmm. like in OBGYN, yeah. a lot of those, you, <laughs> you never know um, what the situation is. Um, so I think that like my challenge to people watching who are or, or listening who are in those spaces is to really familiarize yourself with those things or even just like people who work in um, retail or people who work in um, uh, the food service, um, like in restaurants and mm-hmm. stuff. I know a, a lot of uh, bartenders that like I mm-hmm. am friends with who who know things like that's the mm-hmm. angel shot. And I, and I know it's stigmatized and most people are probably who are in a, a situation that's bad are probably not going to go up to the bar and like order an angel shot. But to just recognize, you know, mm-hmm. the signs of someone being uncomfortable with who they're with mm-hmm. um, and, and, and not intervening, but maybe keeping an eye on the situation mm-hmm. and calling for help when you need to. I think that that's really, really, really important for us as other human beings, um, not to just be bystanders anymore. Um, this issue has gotten way too large for us to be just complacent. And, and it goes back to like, we, I'd rather be paranoid and mm-hmm. call the cops mm-hmm. than myself be in danger or somebody else that I'm literally staring at that I could help yeah. be in danger. Well, and it, you know, and it's, I think sometimes uh, when I've talked to some of the healthcare folks too, they'll say, there's some people who are really good at it. And then there are some people who who really just freeze up and they're really nervous that they're going to say the wrong thing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why, you know, those assessments like yeah. the, the more recent, I don't know when the, um, you know, if you're feeling safe at home and that sure. kind of thing. Um, but if you're giving information to everybody just automatically is if it's just part of part of education, um, you know, with my kids growing up, you know, there's, Oh, okay. Do you, do you wear a bike helmet? Do you wear sunscreen? Yep. All these things. And then if they get a vaccine, they get the sheet about, you know, here are all the different things. Um, it's, it's part of that, I think, yeah. you know, and if we do more of that, so then it's Routine. at least given, giving that information and planting that seed. And, um, if they do call that hotline number for themselves, that they have the resources mm-hmm. all over so they can, they can talk to you and help you to figure out what to do right then, right that moment, yep. what to do or where to go, or who's going to help you. And I think that's the other part that has come up where people are like, I just have no idea, like, what am I supposed to do? Do I just call the cops randomly and say, well, you can, of course. Sure. But um, but a lot of them don't really know how to navigate it. And, you know, and the other thing, too, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. Where to put me. Exactly. And I think the other thing that is interesting is um, the traffickers, they will lie to you. <laughs> and they'll say, <laughs> you, you know, you're a prostitute. Um, if you call the cops, they're going to arrest you. Trouble. And that's yeah. actually changed now with education. But what you should do, if you are arrested, explain that um, you are, um, you are, this is not, you know, this is against your will. And so more and more education for police officers. Yes. For them to understand that, okay, um, 
now at least somebody under 18 that is in, in any way, shape or form that cannot be called prostitution in most right. states. However, um, if you if you share with them, you know, what's happening, um, that you won't get arrested, but they'll say you're going to get arrested. The other thing that's really challenging, too, is if you're undocumented. Sure. Um, there are many situations where that person, they actually, the traffickers like to go after people who are undocumented mm -hmm. because they know they have they that leverage. Yeah, they'll say, well, if you call the police, they're just going to deport you. Um, and that that is very, very prevalent as well. And so, again, a police officer, um, and I know that they're not all police officers are good people, just like anywhere. You know, there are bad people everywhere. Absolutely. But for the most part, you know, you can speak to them and explain to them what's, what's going on. They're going to care about you before they're going to care about some of those other things. But the trafficker is counting on the fact that if they keep telling you police are bad, don't trust them, yeah. police are going to arrest you because you're a prostitute or because you're undocumented, they're not going to try to seek help. So that's really, really important. So again, the resources that are out there, the National Trafficking Hotline, um, again, is a really good um, place to start to try to figure out um, where you can turn. Um, there's some some local resources that yeah. we're aware of that um, they just want to take care of whatever you need and try to help. And they have all these collaborations with other organizations yeah. to help you with that. Um, and that's so important. Know? Yeah, and they like, get it. They get yeah. it. And yeah. that's, that's, I think that's the most important thing is like having connections with other kind of resources because mm -hmm. it, it is hard to navigate these spaces. Like we talked about, like even homeless shelters and stuff are very leery of taking in certain kinds of people because they feel like, okay, well, maybe you're bringing some riffraff because of the situation that you're in, or maybe you're going to cause, uh, you know, harm to other people. And um, I know that a lot of these people who are, are in these situations are, are not, they don't feel as comfortable um, being around other people when it comes to health, because they do feel like they're, they present a danger or um, something of that nature. I, I, I do, when it comes to police officers, I know that this is going to be quite controversial given kind of our, our societal space right now, but um, largely, um, at least in our area and the areas kind of expanding from where we are, and I know several detectives in the Milwaukee area as well, um, who actually work in special victims unit. I actually, um, I have one, I need to uh, post it, um, but she's wonderful. I spoke to her. Um, she works in special victims unit in Milwaukee. We talked about the trafficking mm -hmm. campaign and stuff, and she talked about how pervasive it is, pervasive it is. but there's a lot of people um, out there, um, whether Hi, child. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that or not. <laughs> yes, he is. No, he is. Either way. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of people out there, um, law enforcement-wise, even just like first responders in general. Um, if you walk to a firehouse, you know, if, if you were, you know, just on a walk and you were feeling uncomfortable, you could walk right into a firehouse and they would help you. Like, mm -hmm. These are the people in society who have taken an oath, a commitment um, to help. And, and granted, like, you had said that not all of these people are, are pillars of society. A lot of these people, you know, some of these people get in for various power reasons and mm -hmm. they show it. Mm -hmm. um, but largely as, as a, as a space, um, it is, it is there, one yeah. of your and best most, resources yeah. and to, most of to them, get yourself help or somebody, you know, help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I've like learned too, at least in our area is that um, if you're worried about that, some of these organizations that work very closely with yes. with um, helping to support, like Project Respect, for example, yes. they know their people yes. in the in the law enforcement that they trust. 
wholeheartedly. Um, I've had people actually reach out to me and ask me, you know, they, this person doesn't trust anybody because things have happened to them yeah, in different, course. you know, I mean, we've heard stories that in, even in the church and the oh uh, law enforcement, I mean, there are some bad yeah. apples, of course, and so you have to be careful, but, um, but just to say, who do you trust? You know, who can I talk to? Um, and, and so that, that I, you know, just want to validate that, but some of the local organizations, they know who you can trust. And, um, you know, and, and also the last thing I'm just going to say real yeah. quick is it is important to be careful because there yes. are some people that try to swoop back in and say, oh, you poor thing. Let me help you. And then and that's what happened They're, to your the groomer. Right again. There. I mean, everybody we talked to, they've all had more than one trafficker. And yeah. um, and there's that MO. I'll take care of you. What you want to hear somebody who's helping or supporting you is empowering you to make your choices. Not, here's what you need to do. I'm going to take care of you or anything like that. But make sure if somebody is truly caring about you, you're empowering them to make their choices. So um, because that's a, an issue some people fall into, they want to do that hero thing. Well, I'm sorry. That's actually what the trafficker Part has done problem. too. And so yeah. they have to understand that listening and giving resources, talking through and being there, but letting that person dictate Yep. those steps giving and them back their control. choice yeah, yeah exactly choice. absolutely mm-hmm. um and again uh the national trafficking um hotline number is 888-373-7888 or you can text help to 233-733 um we'll put a link out um both for the video people and uh audio people as well um and i think you know diane what's how can people who are watching or listening, what can they actually tangibly do to help? Because I know a lot of this is like, yes, we can we can watch for these situations, we can learn, we can, you know, keep an eye out on society, whatever, but like what what can we do in the immediate right now? So so there's a lot of things and uh, we're gonna put information on our website um, and any other way that we're communicating with um, information on each topic and action steps you can take to help. So we'll have that. But otherwise, um, I think that the biggest thing I would like to encourage is just educate yourself, get trained. Uh, I know that for you and I, uh, we did hundreds of hours of training and meeting with people and really, really listening. And, I'm, you know, we're still learning and, yes. and we're not experts by any means. Uh, but but that's the first step is 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 learning. And then, um, like we were saying, you know, understanding the the barriers if you are in a position that you can hire people, reach out to some of the organizations that work directly with survivors, um, like Zateo. Yesterday, we were talking about that. She wants to have a list, and they're going to have training for them. They're going to um, have training for the the person who's been victimized for them to go through um, the uh, the job readiness training because they, they need a lot of um, extra um, time and support, you know, to get back on track. So anyway, um, all of those things I think are important. And uh, is there anything that I missed that you can think of? Oh, no, I mean, honestly, like we, we on the United Madison website, at least we have a a list of local organizations, but just beyond that, um, donating, I mean, I I think a huge issue Mm -hmm. for is access and that comes from lack of funding. um, And um, it's not just awareness, it's really, you know, they, they, they don't have the resources try as they might to help these communities because it is a pervasive issue and they have people yeah. coming at them mm-hmm. at all angles and they, well, and they want to help and they don't have the resources. Exactly. Yet, so. Exactly. I mean, it's not just monetary donation, mm-hmm. just like 
reach out, you know, if they need sheets or mattresses mm-hmm. or, you know, space, you know, if you have, if you're, you know, a, a landlord or property owner or something and you have like, you can, you can kind of donate actual physical space, you know, anything, there's anything you could do. Things. I mean, yes. yeah, we, we regularly get in touch with all other organizations. There's one Yada at, yes. uh, in Wisconsin, Middleton, and they actually, um, women decided to start a, um, a resale shop and mm-hmm. the money that she raises can support, but also she has anybody who has been a victim of trafficking, even if they're still in the um, in that situation, mm-hmm. that they can come and shop for free, and yes. and that that community and the relationship and the the, the feedback too with um, some of these uh, people who've been supported or helped, you know, they're just like I I've never really had anybody care that much before, and um, you know, so that just really resonates with me. But there's if you if you have any other questions or ideas or just want to brainstorm, please reach out um, on our website and you know send us a, a note and um, we're happy to to help kind of guide you with that as well as much as we're able to. So yeah, um, if you are in immediate danger, please please reach out to um, the trafficking hotline, whoever you're uh, you know the police, whoever you're comfortable with. Um, I will say. As much as we spread awareness, we do get some requests from people who are currently in situations. We are more than happy to try. We're not the best source to help you in the immediate term. Right. If you contact us at 3 a.m., um, we're, we're not going to be able to, to immediately help you. We've, we've had those situations before, and, and we're very, very sensitive to um, those needs. But please reach out to the Human Trafficking Hotline. Please reach out to your local mm-hmm. law enforcement if you're in trouble. Um, um, if you have tips about somebody who else is in trouble or who, you know, a loved one, please also use those resources. Please don't DM us. Um, we would, we would, I, I will say we'd love to hear your stories. Um, if you're in those situations, um, and you would like to share, but if you're in immediate danger or somebody that you love is, is in immediate danger, please reach out to the trafficking hotline to your local law enforcement. Please use those resources and, um, not us in the immediate term. However, again, we'd mm-hmm. love to hear your stories. Um, if you're a or survivor, ideas, yeah, you know, to, to yes. help. yeah, mm-hmm. ideas to help. If you're a survivor, if you know a survivor, um, or if there's something we haven't mentioned that you think is really pertinent, we'd we'd love for you to you know comment, talk mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. um, share uh, resources that you have. Um, I just wanted to add that caveat since we've yeah. had that happen before yeah, when we talked point. about this uh, situation. DMs <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, and that's really good. And, you know, in, in the same token, um, this has been a very, um, a topic that everybody really is, is yearning to learn more about because they really care just like, we, yes. you know, once you've, once you learn a little bit, you can't unlearn it. Right. And, um, so if, if anybody thinks that we should do another, um, Another episode focused on this. Uh, one of the things we could do is bring in yes. some of the organizations um, that work in this space. And um, so let us know. But uh, but otherwise, I think that this wraps it up. And um, thank you for joining us with our very first Dose of Unity episode. And uh, we'll be coming back every month. We'll have a couple of different ones a month. And uh, so like every couple of weeks. Some topics, some issues, some various things that we'll 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 chat about. But we did feel like this was um, a really really important yeah. thing to talk about um, for for this. And and not every dose of unity podcast is going to be um, like we said issue based, um, but we definitely will be spreading awareness um, about uh, various things that are going on in the community. Um, 
So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. And thank so yeah, visit dosabeauty.com. Um, share with your friends and family, please, so we can have more opportunity for open dialogue and not just like you know the the different bits and pieces of information yes. that might not really show the full picture. So thank you so much. Thank and you. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. <laughs> Glad we matched today. <laughs> See you in the next one, guys.